Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss threat actors go on a supply chain attack, PHP. Next up, bizarre call me maybe. Malware uses malicious call centers to infect victims. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 80, recorded on April 5th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, the prodigal pun returns, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad, I can't decide which is less usable, PGP or PHP Anderson. And last, but not least, Tim, operators are standing by helming. Wow, you two did a great job referencing what's to come in the episode here in your bios. I think I've I failed everyone. You have, yes. <laughs> but I, I mean, mostly what I'm here for is puns. That's the only value I really bring. So in some ways, I'm being I'm being honest with, mm. with mm-hmm, what's yes. coming in. True to your craft. True to it's my true. craft. <laughs> well, um, we're gonna say happy birthday-ish to Chad, so we don't, you know, tell the public some some critical personally identifiable information about you but happy happy birth chad um are, are people allowed to sing happy birthday ish um uh, in public or is that under copyright also mm. like the rate like the main one good that's question. a great question um you I know those uh, copyrighted because red robin you can't you can't sing the, the happy birthday song at red robin that's why they made their special birthday song yeah that incredibly irritating thing that they do but but I, miss it though. I, miss I learned <laughs> I, I learned the the really great version of that though. Are you ready? Here it goes. Five, six, seven, eight. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. <laughs> I'm in. So that's good. Happy Thank birthday, you. Chad. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, hey Chad, did you know that it's medically proven? Yeah, the birthdays are good for you. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the more oh. you have, the longer you'll live. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you mean the more liquor I have on my birthday, the longer I'll live? <laughs> yes, I... definitely. Yes. Oh, too funny. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast. Good to hear mm-hmm. your voices again. Mm-hmm. And we have two great articles per usual to jump into today. So let's just start with the birthday. Birthday boy. That feels weird. Birthday man. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'll the take birthday boy. Birthday boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting on maturity to kick in. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So threat actors go on a supply chain attack, PHP. So in the latest, you know, cliched, just it's the popular thing to do these days to go do some supply chain attacking. And so the official PHP Git repository was hacked and the code base was tampered with. So Mm. it sounds like, again, this is, this is just all the rage with the kids and the most recent victim again is PHP. So how did this nightmare begin, Chad? Yeah. So it started with PHP being invented. Um, but, Tell us how you uh, really oh, feel. you mean this, uh, this First supply the chain cooled, and then the dinosaurs came. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh, March 28th, 2021, uh, members of the PHP project noticed two malicious commits from Nikita Popov and Rasmus Lairdorf. 
sorry if I butchered those names, guys, and you hear this, um, both of whom say their individual Git accounts were not compromised. So um, uh, since PHP manages, or rather they used to manage their own Git repository on their own server, this points to the server itself being compromised, um, as otherwise it would be difficult to check in commits as those users. So, um, you know, and, and the way that you have an account uh, on a Git service is you usually have an SSH key. Um, that is, you know, copied up to that server, and that way you can check commits in over um, SSH. So they were saying our account could have been compromised because they would have had to take our private key. <laughs> Every time I hear "get," I just feel like I've aged forty or fifty years, and I'm just in my front yard yelling "get, get" at the the young whippersnappers. That's what I like mm. to imagine. So I'd prefer yeah. if you say "get" in that manner. I always think lives. of it in kind of a ranch context. You know, I think that it's something you yell at at animals that you might find in ranches. <laughs> Every check-in that I make, I always hear in my head, go on, get, go on, get up in there. So. Yes. That also, that you know, you just made me think of trying to get your three-legged dog into your pickup truck. <laughs> Wait, I have a three-legged dog in a pickup truck? Where are they? This is you all I've know. ever wanted. Happy birthday! <laughs> Best birthday ever. Champion. Um, wow. Okay, so... Chad, to back up a little bit here to the start, what what are commits and what commits did attackers attempt to publish here? I I don't actually know because I have a fear of commitment. Um, but Whoa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so version control systems um, are pieces of software like Git, for example, that keep track of all the changes made to a code base. So um, when you make a change as a developer, you commit that change to the repository so that everyone can then pull uh, the changes that have happened, right? And repositories then keep track of every change that has ever been made so that if there's a mistake while you're writing software with, you know, sometimes thousands of other people, as these big projects are, um, you can find out not only who made the mistake um, and blame them, um, but also roll back the changes one at a time. Like it, Git actually has uh, a blame command that you can run that'll tell you like, oh no, this was checked in by Chad Anderson and this is his horrible code. Um, and people oftentimes use that to find out that the code in our code base that looks terrible is mine. Um, so <laughs> it's a collaboration tool. Uh, and it, it essentially just allows hundreds of people to work on a single project. And each time that you're done with something, you say you commit it to the repository. And, um, you know, you can kind of this way, like uh, if changes stomp over each other, you can kind of um, figure out how to resolve those problems. And uh, so it's just a way that hundreds of people can work on a single thing at once. Does it automate the process of sending the shame meme to the woman with the bell? Shame. Shame. Is um, that, is that no. a feature on top of that? Yeah, that just chases me in my dreams. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So for this next part, I want you to imagine I have a hilariously long scroll that I've just let loose, and the paper is just making that sound as it goes down. And okay. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I say to you, what can you tell our audience about line 370 um, on that scroll? Um, I don't know. That's just what's running through my brain. And it's an audio. But we have to, you know, it's a yeah, visual. There you go. Um, so how did threat actors sneak this malicious commit line 370 into the code? And, and what what was in that? Yeah. So line 370, I think was a part of the Nikita Popov um, check in. I forget what the file name was, but basically what it did. Um, and I, you know, I'm 
not a genius at PHP, but uh, from what it looked like to me, it allows someone to inject code using uh, just an HTTP header. So um, the reason for that is that the code that was checked in evaluates the string that's sent to it. So potentially anyone who sends an HTTP header could have that string um, evaluated so there could be any line of code in there. Um, and then it would have just uh, executed that on the remote server. So this could have been absolutely disastrous if it had made its way into mainline PHP unnoticed. So good thing that people were keeping eyes on it. Is this what Taylor Swift was singing about? The invisible string? Was that is that a different thing? Is that this? No, I think this is it. Yeah, this is every Taylor Swift song is uh, just coded um, developer lifestyle stuff. <laughs> My sister has a theory that Taylor Swift is is possibly an extraterrestrial because she's She's just too unique and capable uh, to necessarily be of this earth. And this tends to confirm that. She's from mm -hmm. a civilization that's, that's way beyond this kind of technology. She just laughs at our, our feeble attempts to secure our feeble technology. <laughs> I think so. I think that checks out. I don't know if anybody could possibly argue against that. Yeah, I... I, I... Doubtless. Um, she's clearly an alien. <laughs> so, Chad, as you were inferring to in your answer there, what, what are some of the repercussions if this malicious code would have been fully committed? Yeah, so PHP is hugely popular. You know, the um, really beginnings of um, modern, like, dynamic sites that we know today was, well, it was probably, like, ASP before that, but PHP was really what blew up, and it's huge. And, like, 80% of the world's websites... Um, run on PHP. You know, you have all of your uh, WordPress sites out there just waiting to be exploited. Um, you have all of these old, um, I think of old forum sites or old frameworks like CakePHP. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that update would have broken about 80% of the world's websites or made them vulnerable. But luckily, um, one of the things that's uh, known about people that run PHP code is admins typically aren't known for their updating. Um, so uh, it would have been a while before we saw that get out <laughs> in the wild. Um, but if, if this did get out in the wild, extremely trivial to take over a server because of that eval function. So we're super lucky it didn't sneak out. Um, and like I said, that people on the PHP mailing list were paying attention to those commits. Um, it's another sign that um, open source projects are, are wonderful in a way that, you know, you've got hundreds, if not thousands of people looking at every line of code that comes by and going like, that just doesn't look right, you know? So um, another another shout out for that, even though I don't like PHP. <laughs> <laughs> I learn a lot. Tim and I learn a lot about what you like and dislike throughout this podcast, which I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have some opinions. You're not, you're not a shrinking violet when it comes to those things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I, I hope I'm shrinking my violence. Is that? Uh. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, gosh. Well, just to sort of look at this from the 10,000 foot view, get out of the mosh pet up to the balcony, if you will. What does this really mean for the future of supply chain attacks? There's been this crazy uptick, or I should say, has there been this crazy uptick? Or did SolarWinds just sort of place a giant spotlight on this already popular approach for threat actors? Yeah, yeah, I think there were probably a lot of threat actors that saw um, SolarWinds and were kind of impressed by it and kind of brought it back in vogue, or at least looking around, you know, researchers poking at, at potential. Um, these things all have their seasons. And right now, this is where 
attackers are concentrating because it allows them to circumvent a bunch of new detections out there that spot anomalies and whatnot. Um, we've got a like a situation where a lot of that developer-minded stuff is pretty loose. Um, you've got packages for like uh, you know from npm or um, pypy that are just implicitly trusted. Um, for a lot of those, they don't even have like code signing or anything like that. Like I know I know Rust Cargo doesn't have any code signing, and same with Go's package manager. So there's no way to really verify that they come from the um, authors that say that they are. I mean, that's the same thing with these commits, right? So, and all these developers just trust that. Um, and that's a part of doing business and building software is that you're going to use libraries from all over the place. So it makes these libraries, particularly big ones, super juicy targets. Like we saw in um, 2017, there was some typo squatting on URL lib, uh, which is a very common Python package. Um, and there was a malicious package behind that. We saw just this year, another um, security researcher who was able to get into Apple and Microsoft by um, posing uh, some packages there. So there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of potential for anywhere where software is checked in and, um, you know, packages are shipped around for uh, problems and version control systems are no different, right? So with um, PHP, uh, it's a pretty juicy target to be able to get into a big projects, um, get like that and be able to get a commit in there. Um, there's a reason that signed commits exist. Um, and it's because all this has happened before, it'll happen again. And um, it just takes um, putting these things into use to hopefully make it seamless for developers and security better for everyone. Um, so hopefully with all these things happening, uh, you know, there's a possibility that'll up the security game in the supply chain space. Some silver lining, if you will. Was that some Chad Anderson optimism, dare I say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, after my <laughs> birthday, I do two days of optimism per year. <laughs> Let's do our hoodie rating here. And Tim, I'm going to start with you. After hearing Chad talk through his love of PHP... <laughs> and the situation at hand here, what would you rate this at? Well, this is one of those tricky ones, right? Because you could do, we could go with rating it by the hypothetical if, had, if it had gotten out, what it would have been, or we could just go with the, what is, what is the risk of this right now? And those are at pretty opposite ends of the scale. So uh, I think because it's more exciting, I'm going to evaluate it based on if it had gotten out into the wild. And so I would have said this was a 10 um, because of, for the reasons that Chad mentioned, you know, when you combine uh, widespread prevalence of the attack surface and triviality of um, carrying out the attack, whoo boy, that's a big deal. That's a lot of hoodies. So 10 out of 10, if it had happened. So you know, we're glad that it didn't. Well said. And Chad, what what would you say in response to Tim's ratings there? Um, you know, I'll go with potential as well. Um, and I'll couple this with another rating, which is how badly uh, I want a burrito right now. And so I would say that's about a nine out of a 10. Um, so I think those those things are both related somehow. Are they blended? Is it like a do you give a certain weight to each one of those ratings to come up with your final number, or do you just pick the highest of the two, or how do you do that? You know, I think it would be essentially just wrong to blend a burrito, Tim. I can't believe you would suggest <laughs> such a thing. Well, I you know I think Chad, I think you must be hangry, so I can <laughs> see where that burrito uh, that burrito number is very high right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to keep you happy through the rest of the podcast. <laughs> All right. 
Chad is traumatized by the one time he had the Gerber burrito flavor and it just really didn't stick well. (laughs) Is that a thing? Is there is there burrito baby food? Well, I imagine there should be blend a burrito. That's about what you would get, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. I could just start buying Taco Bell, blending it, putting it in jars and selling it as artisanal (laughs) baby food at the. That is perhaps one of the most disturbing things I've heard in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Hand-forged artisanal baby food. Uh, Artisanal baby. I've blended this Taco Bell myself. (laughs) It's true that they would use a verb like forged for that. Uh, Yeah. That's that's all a rage these days. Everything is forged now. It's true. Yeah. We should come back to that at the end of the episode, actually. There's some things. Maybe we should call this a a hand-forged podcast. A yeah, <laughs> that's one of the problems in security is a lot of hand forged artisanal services out there. <laughs> well, you found some hand forged um, CDC vaccination cards, didn't you, Chad? <laughs> I did. I did. That's true. Yeah. They, they were um, artistic representations of CDC cards, according to the salesperson. There you um, go. But, there uh, you, go. you know, couldn't call them fakes. <laughs> Well, moving on here to our next topic of conversation, which is bizarre call me maybe. So for the past two months, security researchers have been waging an online battle against a new bizarre call malware that uses call centers to distribute some of the most damaging Windows malware. So it it appears there's been a war festering between researchers and these malware authors. So what do we know thus far about this particular malware, Tim? Well, first of all, I'm going to say that Carly Rae Jepsen wants the world to know that her security kung fu is just as good as Taylor Swift's. So there might <laughs> there might be a showdown coming. But a showdown? But, Wait, never mind. Yeah, that's right. But as you mentioned, yes, this is a piece of malware that targets, or it it involves multiple malwares that target Windows systems, and um, it's a first stage loader in the form of a maldoc, which I will describe in a moment. That then calls out to later stage loaders as they do, then in turn pull down all kinds of various pieces of nasty, including some of the usual suspects out there like TrickBot and Iced ID and Gozi and and others as well. Did both of you see the hilarious Ice Ice D meme that was floating around InfoSec Twitter last week? I did. Quite a, liked it quite a bit. Oh, lol. Did you did you have a chance to see that, Tim? No, I was actually quite away from InfoSec last week. I was like out in nature tromping around in a rainforest. Foraging, if you will. Yes. And the meme the meme level was quite low. <laughs> That's so healthy, I'm sure, to do that. Um, well, I highly recommend people look it up, including yourself, Tim. But let's just say that, you know, there's a playoff of Ice Ice Baby with Ice Ice ID or Ice ID. Um, but any anyway, um, so, you know, it sounds like Bizarre Call has historically kicked off attacks with phishing emails. So what are some key evolutions or changes in this recent battle of sorts? And how are emails even being used if if they are still being used to infect victims with those malwares? Sure. Well, phishing ever popular, right? But with a phishing, traditional phishing email, once you send it as the attacker, you just kind of hope for the best, right? So it's, I think of it as the UDP of attack techniques, spray and pray, fire and forget. You have no control over what the human does once you've sent it. But with this method, 
you have a chance to interact with the target and you have a chance to use your winning personality to convince them that you're for real and that you're here to serve them. So the lure here is that you have a free trial of some service that's about to end. And the psychology of it is clever because it appeals to the opt-out mentality. If you receive this email, you can't really recall the starting the trial since you never did, of course. But the one thing you know is that you really want this thing canceled before your credit card gets dinged. So you call the number and the friendly and cheerful call center operator asks you for your unique customer ID from the email and then it's off to the races. Wow, Tim, you described that. I feel like I can visualize myself in that situation. Just You're right there. You're sitting in the office chair of the person who received that email, aren't you? Yeah, I'm surrounded by those things people used to use to separate each other in offices, the cubes. And right, right. There's an I, something I seems see familiar an about that auto yeah. dialer. Mm, yeah, yeah. Good times. The 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 of the water cooler too. I think that's happening in the background. I hear um, it. Love a good water cooler. <laughs> We're all good. <laughs> If it if there's no water cooler glugging, is any work being done? That's the question I have for everybody um, listening to this podcast. Um, no, Tim- because they're all dead from dehydration. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Just oh desiccated gosh. corpses as far as the eye can see. So keep those water coolers going once we open back up. <laughs> so Tim, what happens if a victim I, uh, identifies a correct customer ID over the phone to perhaps continue, uh, continue this trial? Winner, winner, chicken dinner, you identified the correct customer ID. So the, the, the cheerful customer service operator detects you, uh, directs you to a website, which has this very of the moment looking front end, and you're prompted by that front end to enter that customer ID that you have helpfully cut and pasted from, your, uh, from the email. And what kind of fun do you download as a victim? Oh boy, exactly what you'd expect when you're trying to cancel an online subscription, of course, an Excel document. (laughs) I jest, of course, who would actually expect that? Uh, Here's where the call center people have to earn their pay, though. So they have to convince you not just to download this Excel file, but also to, and you knew this one was coming, right? Enable macros and maybe disable antivirus while you're at it, because of course you want nothing to stand between you and the cancellation of that payment. So If they succeed with their social engineering, you download uh, this document and you duly enable macros, then it swiftly calls out to a loader, which opens the pipe to a bunch of additional malware. So see, Kelsey, this is the TCP of malware lures. There's a handshake of sorts and a confirmation of the connection. Good stuff, huh? Oh, my gosh. This is a lot of effort that these threat actors are going through. It's it's pretty and. intense and it even sounds like there are some theories when it comes to which groups are involved in this attack um what did uh randy pargman of binary defense offer in terms of their thoughts yeah so it looks like this was uh brought to you by your pals at trickbot and it, this is another ass uh i don't mean a donkey uh but i mean in the case uh, in this case it's a distribution as a service aas and these guys can boast some famous clients like the uh, Unc1878 group, uh, which Randy believes is a customer of this service and uh, 
1878, in case you haven't memorized every actor group yet, uh, is a group that FireEye identified about a year ago, and they seem to operate a lot of TrickBot and Ryuk and Maze and other ransomware. They like healthcare facilities, the charming folks that they are, and Unk means uncategorized. So if you're wondering where they're based, well, you're just going to have to keep on wondering. Keeping the mystery alive. Uh, so have researchers been able to disrupt this ruse? Uh, you know, do you have a sad trombone sound cue, Kelsey? No, but I think you and Chad should do one at the same time. Okay, count us in. All right, Chad, are you ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Three, two, one. <laughs> Wonderful. That ironically made the trombone sadder. That was perfect. <laughs> the saddest trombone ever. So this is a tricky one for detection mechanisms to trigger on. And uh, so samples aren't getting up to virus total and so forth. And um, this service is being run, unfortunately, pretty competently. And they're constantly changing up their infrastructure. In this case, um, that means like the phone numbers are one of the things that they're changing all the time. I wonder if these are the guys that hijacked my phone number uh, recently. That was fun. Um, it's far too easy. As an aside, it is far too easy to spoof a phone number uh, these days. And um, so anyway, the phone numbers that they have got probably aren't even uh, um, you know, ones that they like paid for and registered anywhere. So uh, they're able to avoid detection, and uh, really, I wish that these guys were worse at their jobs. Oh, man, Tim, I feel like that's happened to you a few times. That's quite unfortunate. Um, I was wondering if you were still there. <laughs> Are you still there? Um, I hate when Netflix does that to me. I just, I, w I was seeing some, some commentary about that, how kind of passive-aggressive it seems. Yeah, I don't want your judgment, Netflix. That's not a part of the subscription. Give me a discount if you're going to judge me. <laughs> well, you know, Kelsey, I think they think of themselves as your friend, and, and good friends are honest with you. <laughs> well, it's too honest, Netflix. It's too honest. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Tim, how how dangerous, then, is this new approach that they've dialed in, pun intended? Uh -huh. Yeah, so we're kind of jumping the gun to the hoodie ratings here, it seems like. Well, so basically, I have mixed feelings about this. And without hard data, we're left to conjecture and judgment on this. But the distribution mechanism is clever. And preying on people's aversion to something, like getting charged for something they don't want, rather than trying to convince them in an email that they should opt into something, is paying off. Uh, on the other hand, you have to think that being asked to download an Excel spreadsheet and then here's the whopper to enable macros is a huge tell. Like, when would you ever do that to unsubscribe to something? So it seems to stretch credulity. Um, so yes, there are obviously folks who are not very infosec savvy that won't recognize how sketchy this is, but... Um, I think they'll have a, a decent rate of attrition once they get to that, that stage of the call where they're saying, okay, you know, enable macros on this Excel sheet. They're going to have some dropouts there, but time will tell. And the researchers definitely are, are concerned about this. I wish that there was some data, uh, you know, obviously that this would be a blue team effort. There wouldn't actually be, or red team effort, I should say, there wouldn't actually be folks 
falling for this. I wouldn't want to date on that. That'd be quite sad. But just to see if you had a hundred people or a thousand people in a study where they're walking through something like this, what the key drop-off points would be. Because I would agree with you. I would hope that is one of the main cues. But I would be really curious if there was ever data on something like that. I, I actually would all but bet the ranch that the people who are operating these things are doing exactly that kind of analysis. I mean, that's one of the things that is really a hallmark of the underground economy, right? Is that they, they've learned the best practices that the legit economy uh, has in place. And so I would just about guarantee that they are studying exactly that kind of thing and, and learning from it and getting better, unfortunately. I would like to download that ebet uh, that ebook, but I would not enable the macros um, for that for that content from them. If you don't enable the macros, you don't get the last page. That's the problem. <laughs> and that's where they tell the you what you actually need to do. That's right. And that's where they get you. Oh gosh. Well, Tim, you you are right. I did sort of jump the gun on the hoodie radio. So I'm gonna, as a courtesy, I will I will let you give your rating first, and then we'll come back to Chad for his rating. No, you don't have to do that, but okay. I'll say, um, I don't know. I, I kind of think like four, maybe I, I don't, this seems like you're going to have to target people who, you know, who don't have a lot of infosec Kung Fu, um, or awareness. And like, let's put it this way. I'm, I'm positive that my, uh, parents in their late seventies would not fall for this. Um, or at minimum, they would call me and say, does this seem weird to you? Uh, and so I, that to me, that mitigates this to some extent. Um, obviously it is working. They're getting some, they're getting some victims, but as far as the overall, so for people who get bitten by it, it's, it's a high hoodie rating, but the impact on society, I'm going to go with four. Chad, what do you think? One sec. I got to enable macros. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, last page just showed up and I would also go with four. <laughs> I hope you enjoy your free trial, Chad. Yeah. There's uh, calc.x just popped on my screen, but outside of that, I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> you know, these, these emails, I did notice in one of the sample emails that like so many phishing emails, it contains some awkward phrasing and misspellings and stuff. So I wonder how many of these say free trail. Yeah. And I think if I got a free trail, I'd be pretty excited about that. Can I like free hiking. trail? Yeah. I want to get a free trail. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, hey, thank you both for digging into those articles and encapsulating what we are going to be talking about in your intros. I'm still very impressed by that. But it's time to move to our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie, which is, of course, like the, the classic game, Two Truths and a Lie. But rather than talking about ourselves, instead, we're going to have one of us serve up three article titles. Two of the articles are true and one is a lie. And... Um, uh, the other two of the three of us will be trying to suss out which the lies are. So I believe Chad's up this week with the article titles. My lies are prepared. <laughs> or truth. Go forth. Go forth I mean, and lie in truth. In like a post I was going to say, he's battle. got two lies. This is tricky. He's got more than one lie. How does that? He's Kobayashi marooing this whole thing. Oh, wow. That's a good reference. I like that. 
That was one of the uh, lies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No. On to you, Chad. Uh, let's see here. Um, these are some, some big ones. Uh, Facebook data breach leads to millions of leaked user details. Uh, NetMask NPM package used by 270,000 products vulnerable to remote and local file inclusion attacks. Hawaiian flip-flop company locals compromised by eGregor ransomware. Hmm. You know, I hope it's not the third one because, I mean, what's more innocent really than a Hawaiian flip-flop company, right? That's just like, that's such a friendly, (laughs) such a friendly thing to think about. I've never met somebody from the flip-flop business before, but I imagine they'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, they change their mind a lot. But then <laughs> That's true. I have some of those flip-flops that have bottle openers built into them. And I got to say, one of the great utility combos of all time. Hmm. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, you combine that with the, with the swim-up bar and you've got a couple of the greatest inventions in the history of humankind, I'm convinced. <laughs> And and sometimes, by the way, those those go with each other on the same vacation. Yeah, uh, you know, there's nothing I like more than after like walking around on the streets of New York City in my flip flops for like four hours, and then like using it to just open a bottle and drink from it. <laughs> I know that there are certain occasions where like it just seems all kinds of wrong. But you know, Chad, we're talking about just walking around on the beach, the nice, oh, yeah, the nice clean beach. Well, if it's a beach in like you know Thailand. it's also uh you know that's a great way to get a disease named after you i think Uh, (laughs) you know i i'm gonna date myself here but i do remember the flood of news stories about the medical waste that was turning up on the beach i think this was in new jersey it was the beach that chris christie was sitting on right when it was closed he had all the medical waste to himself These, these these things were separated by a number of years but we don't know that the needles aren't still washing up on those beaches yeah Oh my! <laughs> Sorry, Kelsey. We've just that totally hijacked turn. the show here, haven't we? <laughs> Who's guessing? Gosh, um, man, I I'm gonna say the third just because I, I just have a feeling that Chad would know that we would discount and just love flip flops. So that's that's the only thing I have. These are all great, Chad. Well, very well done. I'm gonna say the third one is the lie. And you know. He he would uh, also probably assume that that the third one would look like a lie, and so how could we choose that one? Because it seems so obvious. Um, I don't know. You know, Facebook <laughs> breach. I mean, that's that's kind of true. What every week or close to it? Uh, unfortunately, uh, it seems like it. No, I'm going to go with the third one also. Congratulations and, and for me, on it's your just, points. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I really wanted that flip flop. Aren't you happy okay. for us, Chad? <laughs> yeah, I locals are okay. I just got a new pair of locals. They're only twelve bucks, so you know, might as well. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Did you just look down at your feet and were you inspired by that? And you're like, huh? Yeah. Well, no, I was wearing Crocs when I wrote that because I wear Crocs in the office. You know, I have great choice in shoe wear. The locals <laughs> are upstairs um, house shoes. 
I like how people uh, refer to the one configuration of Crocs as like sport mode or something, don't they? Isn't that that's like when you sport you do something mode. with the the little flip up part? I don't have any of them, but Chad Chad would know. Oh, assuming I, that his are uh, sport mode enabled. I always leave the little flip up part forward because I just kind of walk into them. They're my like they're my uh, office and dark room and um, you know workshops shoes. Uh, I should wear them more often, you know, because I've always really wanted that Crocs tan on the top of my feet, but I just don't. <laughs> Talk about looking like you have a disease. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Too good. Uh, well, thank you both for another wonderful episode. And Chad, would you like to um, tell our audience a little bit about something you and Joe Slowick have cooked up called Security Snacks? Yeah, so Joe and I have worked on Security Snacks. It is a new Twitter account um, that you can use. Uh, we'll be posting our, well, rather, you can't use it. We'll be using it to post our um, small form research, things that aren't necessarily um, into a big blog, but um, that are nonetheless relevant. It's the daily things that we see, new name servers registered that are bad, um, or sorry, new domains registered that are bad, things cropping up on name servers that are bad. It's all of the small stuff that um you know just needs to be out there that's potential badness so um that includes things like uh vaccine malicious vaccine domains or um you know uh potential uh fake phishing infrastructure for apple or other admin stuff this is like all the domains and ips that that joe on his own account will frequently uh ask you to eat into the sun yes exactly yeah there <laughs> it's all of the eatables um, that would have been another good name for this uh, Twitter handle, the Yeetables. <laughs> the Yeetables, maybe. Well, I mean, Chad, do you want to share the uh, the hashtag we have going? Uh, hashtag one? security snacks, right? Security well, snack? I, I believe it's hashtag snack the planet. Um, oh, well, snack the planet is the starter. Yes, snack the planet. <laughs> uh. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so be, be sure to follow along. We're just starting it up. Uh, by the time that you're hearing this podcast, it might have just gone live. So just keep an eye out. It should be a lot of fun. And of course, we'll be back next week for episode number 81. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye now. Uh, Bye-bye. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>